With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello listeners, it is the Fulhamish Podcast, your black and white tonic to the January blues and we have ourselves a little dash of cup fever in the studio tonight as we discuss a really good Fulham win over old foes Aston Villa at the Cottage courtesy of two absolute thunderbolts from returning faces to Scotty Parker's side. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host this evening. Joining me, Mr Don Betts. Hello, hello. Mr George Singer. Hey, and Mr Dara Curran. Good evening. How are we lads, good? Yes, yeah, alright. Was How your weekends? Standard. Anything special, Dom? Nah, just loads st- of VKs and. No, I actually don't have any VKs this weekend. Just pure Stella. Pure Stella. <laughs> that, that's what we're going with today. Yeah, pure pure Stella. Stella. Excellent. Fulham won, and we beat Aston Villa, which is always pleasant. I think we we saw a couple of things on Twitter about people going like Fulham saying Villa are rivals. And, no, 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 no. <laughs> Hold up, there, lads. No one's saying that. What we have said is there's a bit of needle here, and it has been for a little while. A, a funny one, George. Yeah, it was nice to see um, Sammy, Sammy and Dom representing on. Uh, oh, yeah, well done, Dom. My hands are finally left my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, and I thought Sammy hit the nail on the head with a, a little bit of added spice. Obviously, wound up a few Villa fans on uh, on Twitter, which is always good. They're fun. also one of the easiest fan bases to wind up after Leeds. They're quite reliable, aren't they? Yeah, it's one of those. Well, well done on on being on the TV, Dom. But you didn't say the word pony. I didn't Which get asked. Did the upset question. quite a lot. No, of I, fan base. I wanted I wanted to get it in, but the question I was asked didn't allow me to put it into context. Sammy <laughs> should have said, as Don would say, our defence has been pretty pony. But the, the question I got asked just wasn't. I couldn't quite frame it in. You know, there's many things I got asked to put into the same sentence. I won't say what they were, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you know, just I thought I'd be quite relaxed and normal. For once, normal, yeah, like yeah. that. Norm- <laughs> normal is said with with quote graphics around it from everyone normal in the for studio. Me. Normal for you, which is yeah. still quite weird. <laughs> George, you want to chuck us some three word reviews from the game? I do, I do. This is my first time doing the three word reviews on the pod, well so done. quite Thank a you, quite a personal moment for me. Um, we'll kick off with the man himself, Farrell Monk, uh, with work of art. A nice uh, comment about his club there. Um, Tom uh, Tom Greatrix with doing a Fulham. Quite nice thing as it was the uh, the doing a Fulham derby. Um, I liked Fulhamato cottage cupcake. Um, I enjoyed Brian Lake's made John sad and a little uh, photo of John Terry crying there as well. So a few a few good and ones on a make John sad. It's exactly. just like one of the simplest jokes we can make. Dara, it's not you know no one's thought of anything clever there. There's a lot of knockout knockout puns. We were we weren't sure about. Oh. No, we'll leave that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we did win, Dom, but the first half was, to quote you, a little bit pony. Um, What did you make of it? There's nothing to make of it. Nothing happened. Like, apart from that Rodak save from, was it El Ghazi? El Ghazi in the last minute just for half-time break. I went down at half-time, 30 minutes, um, and I I was talking to people, and I was like, genuinely, what happened in that half of football? Because it wasn't like... It's not like we played badly, just both, all 22 players on the pitch just didn't feel like 
were not didn't feel like they wanted to be there and nothing was happening. There was no sort of intensity to the way either team was playing. And it was just a sort of very drab affair. Dara, we set up in a, well, what was supposedly a, a 4-2-3-1. It looked a little bit like a five at the back. What, what did you make of Parker's tactics? Obviously, Joe Bryan's supposed to be a, a left wing by the official graphics. It was all a bit strange. It was an interesting one. A little bit of a reshuffle at the back. A doy moving to the left of the three, if that's what they were playing, because that, that's what appeared to me anyway. And then Bryan and Christie further forward. And it was an interesting one, but I don't know if I'd be keen to go with it week in, week out. It's a strange little mix. George, the way that I saw it and what I said at, at half time w- was kind of almost a three at the back in possession. And a four out of it with with Adoy and, and Brian sort of doubling up down the left hand side. Uh, what was your take? I know you're a graphics fiend and yeah. you're showing me a graphic right now. Yeah. So if you go, so I was I was a bit like you. So I think we were discussing before the game. Like I thought it would be the four at the back. You thought it would be the the three or the five at back. If you look at the average position, it looks kind of like a a bit of a, a lopsided mix of the two. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Kind of a doy shifted a little bit left back and then would tuck inside a little bit. Um, and Joe Bryan, kind of considering he was supposed to be the left winger, I actually thought compared to him and Christie, he looked the far more reserved. It was Christie who was pushing up really high. You know, I thought of all the players, I think you're absolutely right. The first half was was a pretty drab affair, but I thought. Christie actually got into the game pretty well and you can see it's great to see him building in confidence. We've said it so many times before, you know, the fans have been on his back so long and it's it's really hard for him to to get a break. But now it finally feels like he's got his break. Um he he's playing football with his head up for the first time in a while and you know, we'll come to Knockout's performance a bit later on, but I thought he he played really well on the right hand side and definitely one of the better players in the game. Dom, we've conceded so many goals down the left this year and we've talked about it time and time again that our left flank has been exposed 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 is there something to say for for Parker in that he's obviously seen this and gone okay what if I overloaded the left hand side by playing two fullbacks yes obviously it's going to kind of slow down our attacking threat on that side but we did look a little bit more secure defensively through the whole game really it was only a a mistake from new boy Michael Hector which we'll get onto a little bit later that that really let them in at all yeah but it's in are you do you want to take out of your attacking flair if Caviero is playing on that side if you were to to have Joe Bryan honestly I understand Joe Bryan has played left wing before when he was at Bristol City and he definitely he was definitely a much more advanced player than he has been for us while he was playing in the West Country but I think that I don't know if it, if, we're, if we're trying to soak up pressure against a West Brom or a Leeds maybe then I can understand it but going away to Hull we're not going to be soaking up pressure albeit you know our record against Hull isn't great which obviously we, we, you know I think I've been there three times since I can see 10 goals but not not, not you also you got know, to see a Vukamara score a brace once yeah so I, I don't know I don't know I think it's an option but I don't think it's one we should be actually pursuing in most games I think it's only going to be there when we're playing the better sides I think when you're playing teams on our level or you know teams who are below us in the table I don't think so. I think you've got you've just got to go for your best players, and our best players aren't going to be playing two defenders. You get down the Ranieri route of playing football, where oh, we'll just put more defenders on the pitch or defensive players on the pitch. He'll make us play better. Well, it won't because there are there are shitter players, so it's not it's not going to work. So I think that for us, it's, it's it is about you know playing our best players on the pitch, and we know our best players are attacking players. Yes, you know we looked a bit more defensively stable, but against the against the likes of Hull, against the likes of Middlesbrough, I don't think that's the best option. Dara, we're going to come on to the new boys and the people that came back into the side, but actually someone who was really 
you know, it was really good to see back on the field was Kevin McDonald. And he actually had a very, very good game in the middle and just controlled things quietly in there. And, you know, it's nice to see him back more than anything else. Yeah, he was decent. He didn't put a foot wrong, really. And I think, was it the last game was Southampton in the Cup? Was that the last yeah, one yeah, that yeah, he, he featured in? centre back. Yeah, so a different position He's come altogether. On, I think, but once or twice since then, but this is the first game he started since that game. It's yeah. nice to see him, especially get the seventy minutes under his belt. Obviously, I didn't think he would get the full game, but he was pretty composed. I mean, again, nothing really happened in the first half. <laughs> he didn't have too much to do. No, and but, Villa weren't a particularly attracting threat through most of it, but he did what he had to do with with, with reasonable aplomb. Yeah, it's just, I mean, we've really been lacking in that centre midfield, so that's another option that we have. If if Reed is out for some time, we can bring him on. Yeah. Shore things up, absolutely. Been working back from you know what seems like a, a little bit of well on that read night. It's surprising that we have got a number six or Hollywood midfielder literally sitting on the bench, and he's not been in the side. And we saw, everyone saw, oh maybe his legs have gone. Well, we saw against Villa. Yes, he wasn't. They weren't running as ragged, but he still did. Was probably our best midfielder on the pitch, arguably in the game. And so I think it's interesting. People, oh, we'll, we'll put Johansson in Hollywood midfield role. Then you've got the likes of Kearney, Onama. You know, I think. I mean, if you need, if Reed is is out injured, there's no reason why he shouldn't play McDonald. Yes, he probably won't last the full ninety minutes, but he's going to do a, a job, a better job there than most of them midfielders will. I mean, I'd, I'd maybe argue Harry Arter would uh, be a more natural replacement, but but for me, I, I think it's interesting going back to you know, it's almost going back to the um, the McDonald Johansson Kearney kind of trio. We know it works well. We know they fit together well, and I think um, you know we, we've got to give a bit of credit to to Josh Onomo who a few weeks ago really couldn't put a foot right and now he's slowly bedding into the side I think you know we we have to give him a bit of credit for I think correct me if I'm wrong against Brentford he was more of like sitting number six he's played more of a kind of number eight role and against Villa we saw him almost in that kind of false nine role so I think he's he's showing some nice versatility there I'm not quite sure what his best position is but he's putting in good solid performances and I think he's he's earning his his name on the on the team sheet and I think it's it's good that we've got a few different options there but I'm not quite sure at this point what the best three is um, yeah. and it will be interesting to see what Parker tends to pick going forward well it's nice to have an option who can play maybe not all three capably but definitely two of those positions and we saw that having Ollie Norwood before in in terms of yes that midfield trio remained the same for so much of of the year that we did get promoted but ultimately Ollie Norwood slotted into any of those roles right and, and every time you, you had someone out no one was panicking because we were like oh the midfield three's got because Norwood would just sit in and, and that would be that I'm still annoyed we didn't sign Norwood <laughs> <laughs> I think honestly I'm the so amount annoyed. of money they were looking for though at the it time was, was pennies, bad like <laughs> It was um, a strange one. Look, he's uh, he's living he's his well best life in the Premier in the League. Prem, so yeah. fair play to him. Fair play to him. Um, Dom Michael Hector. Let's get on to it. He came in. Alfie Morrison moved to the his favoured left hand side, and actually Hector kind of did fine. A big mistake for the goal, obviously, but that it looked more like rust than anything else. He won a lot of headers, a couple of missed tackles, but looked reasonably composed there at the back. Yeah, I think people forget he hasn't played. You know, not top level football, but you know football in, in the team's first team in what probably eight months maybe so like for me yeah it, from what I saw of him I was perfectly happy with what I saw yes he can do definitely better with the goal and obviously it's 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 very it's very poor for him but again you have you got to remember how long it has been since you've been playing at that level so yeah I think he, he looked perfectly good he's not going to be this messiah which everyone has been lauding him about no. when he's going to come back and he's not going to do that but 
you know, if we're looking at centre-back options after, you know, Reem and Mawson, it's only really been Dennis Adoy, and it's that competition is always going to push the other players onwards. That's why Joe Bryan, I think, has dropped off and hasn't looked as good, because he's got no one pushing him in that left-back spot. The only other option is Maxime Le Marchand, who seems, you know, to be nowhere in the moment. So, yeah, I think... He he did perfectly fine apart from the goal, but you know again you got to remember how long how long is he until he's continued to play at this level. So yeah, I'm, I'm confident with him going forward. It'll be interesting to see obviously in the whole game what sort of back line that Scott Parker goes with. Yeah, it is now. Well, there's questions there now to be answered, and I think Hector's probably done enough to to keep his spot in the long run. I imagine that will be the partnership that starts it, Hector and Mawson. Um, but it does again, like you say, it frees uh, Dennis Adoy up to be competition for Joe Bryan and he did fine again uh, at the back at the weekend so there are them options now George yeah I think Adoy again played well and he's, he's such a you know such a, a credit to the club that he can play pretty much in any position um, you want him to that's so helpful for for Parker I think it's an interesting one interesting one about assuming Hector's the number one option who plays with him because I think him and Alfie Mawson probably the best defenders on paper but they're more of a similar type of central defender I wouldn't defender. have Alvin Morrison as our, best, our second best centre back on paper he's been terrible all season well, well, on, yeah but on paper on mm. on, uh, on paper on FIFA ratings yeah, we probably have to yeah. on grass so, you know. <laughs> yeah. unfortunately yeah, like, I, I, I don't that's what's the problem if Morrison had a paper field yeah. we'd just sound. play on a spreadsheet it'd yeah, be exactly. much better <laughs> but yeah. if, I think, if we're going on how I said about to play this season if you're going to pair him with him I think it'd be rude do you see I disagree I, 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 I think, think so been God awful for the last sort of month or I so. I think Morton's been terrible since he arrived. Yeah, well, I just like I think the Reading game was just it was just mistake uh, after mistake after mistake from Tim. It, it is, but I think Joe, that's down to Joe Bryan as well. I think the fact that he benched Mawson in the Reading game to then play him in Hector's first game is an indication that that will be the two centre backs, and he also could have given Bettinelli a start, but he went with Rodak and I think that's just trying to build up a little bit of an understanding between the three or whoever is going to be the two centre-backs yeah, yeah, that, 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 that to me says that those are the two quite possibly but I think Mawson and Hector big imposing centre-backs go for clearances go for headers and I think it, it would make more sense if you did pair them with Ream who's maybe a bit more reserved and probably a, a better short passer than, than someone like Mawson so for me if we're thinking about you know you think back to your Anglin and Hughes days not necessarily the best centre-backs in in the club when you had someone like Philippe Senderos in, in as well um, who on paper was a, was a good a good centre-back but it didn't quite work you need you read <laughs> It was a, it you, was mean, a good... you must be reading like the Daily Star. Like, <laughs> well, you, you want okay, okay. My my point is you probably reading the Star. Probably reading the Star is just great content. My my point is you want centre backs that complement each other, and I'm not sure that Hector and Mawson do that. And I'd I'd be more, I'd like to see Hector and Ream play personally. Good at getting in the box of corners though. Yeah. Some serious height between the two. Michael Hector is a bigger man than I, than I expected him to be. I thought he was going to be big. I didn't realize quite how big. He was. He is a bit of a, a tank. I think the top knot gives him a few extra inches on the top of him as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought he, he looked pretty imposing, and and like like we're saying, it, it didn't. He didn't look like a player that hadn't played top flight football for for six months or so. I know he's been playing. He's been playing in the PL two for a fair bit, hasn't yeah. he? So the club have, have clearly you know, try to manage him as best as they can. And yeah, from all, all accounts, looking at his Twitter account, he was uh, pretty chuffed to get his first start in a while. Absolutely. Dara, let's talk about Anthony Knockhart because Anthony Knockhart 
has had a bit of a topsy-turvy season uh, at Fulham so far. A lot of ill will in the last couple of weeks for, for some poor crossing, which continued. Um, but he did liven up on Saturday and he was kind of at the heart of all Fulham's dynamic play. Uh, and they start cap that off with, with a wonderful strike. Uh, what did you make of his performance? I thought it was much improved. I, I listened to some of Parker's comments afterwards and he said that the last few games is the, the knockout that we kind of know from the Premiership. Um, it was interesting, the goal that he actually scored at the very start of the second half. He gave a little warning because he cut inside and fired a shot. Villa obviously didn't take heed of that. Yeah, they were like, no, uh, he missed one now. He won't have another one. They don't know him. Um, who was it for the for that goal as well? There was someone broke up the play. Oh, what, it was Joe what, Bryan. Was it, it was Joe Bryan, indeed. A great tackle and then spread it out to him and he just... Off he went. Did the rest. Yeah, off he went. I, I thought that was interesting. I remember commenting at the time saying to my brother, it was all Joe Bryan, all Joe Bryan who won the ball. And my Tom went, yeah, but knockout got the ball on the halfway line. I was like, yeah, no, okay, it wasn't all Joe Bryan. <laughs> it was um, it was a bit... He Dom, had a lot another, to do, but yeah. Yeah, another wonder strike. Yeah. Is that, is that a good or a bad thing? I don't think this... It's not... I think it's a bit of both, really, because I do think he can be a bit of flash in the pan. Like, he'll score a goal like that and then once square, square the ball to, was it Jay Stansfield when he's going through? I think it's actually Joe Bryan yeah. who, who's charging through the centre in, okay. whoever, in a strange manner. Well, really. Whoever it was, I just, you know, that's when your match-making decisions need to come into play here. Yes, you may have the individual quality to ping one in from 20 yards out into the top corner, but if you can't, you know, we're 2-1 up there in one of the last minutes of the game, 3-1, game done. You know, 2-1 is still obviously a dodgy scoreline no in our defence. So, I think, yes, it, he's been improved, but it's still not up for standard you, he should be playing at. I think he's he's a really frustrating player. I think, you know, looking at the, the rest of the guys on our side, I think no one really frustrates me watching the game as much as him. I think he's the kind of player that wants to... He, his heart's definitely in the right place and he wants to win every game all by himself. And he will pull out amazing shots like that. I mean... You know, he did have a, a fair amount of shots. I think six in total. There was, his, there was his solo run where he gets past, ball rolls one of their defenders, and then it's a horrific finish. Well, I'm not sure why he tries to chip the game. Yeah, just, 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 just put your just, foot through it. Yeah, exactly. We'll just slot it. Like, you know, you don't have to, you don't, it doesn't need to be hammered. Just, just either side of the either keeper, side of the keeper it's in. in. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's one of those. It's it's really frustrating. And there's bits like he he clearly wants to do the right thing, and he the way he tracks back, I think, probably divides fans. I mean, some fans will love the fact that he will go forward, dribble past everyone, go for a shot, miss, and then run back and defend in his own box. But for me, I mean, that, that kind of irritates me because that's not his role. His, not, his role isn't to be in the box defending. And when we do get the ball back, we don't have the outlet out yeah. there for him. It, it feels like, mm -hmm. you know, clearly there's, clearly there's a tactical system that Scott's trying to put in here. And as a player, you need to... Buy into it. You need to buy into the system. And you're not... There's 11 guys on the pitch. You're not you're not the only person there trying to win the win the game. And I think he needs to kind of adept a little bit in that regard. There was a couple of ones. He, he wins a tackle in our box very, very late on. Um, and it's a really, really dangerous challenge. Not not in terms of the player, but if, if he shifts it a second, it's a penalty. A 93rd minute penalty. And it's one of those where obviously you have to applaud the desire to win the ball back because that's a good thing. But the thing that frustrates me about Knocker, and it adds to what you were saying there, George, is he'll make a... He'll, he'll make those like lung-busting runs back and make like a big tackle and we'll be like, wee-hee. Um, 
But all the time, Cyrus is left two on one. And it, it doesn't make any sense. He's the player that runs up and down the most. And yet his fullback is the one that continually gets isolated against two players. And it, it doesn't really add up in terms of how he can be there making those challenges, but also just not be there when it would make plenty of sense for him to be there. Yeah, I think this is where you think of, was it someone like Maldini who said, as a defender, if I make a tackle, that's a mistake. You don't, as a defender, you don't, actually want to be in a position to make a tackle you'd rather be in the right place pressure someone and make them make a mistake when if you let a player get all the way to you so you have to make a tackle in a way you could argue that your defensive you know you've, you've kind of failed as a defense there and I think that's where someone like Knockart will you know not be in the right place not give Christie that support so players will run at Christie and then he will look back, run, you know, twice as fast to go and support Christie. Well, actually, if he was just in the right, already been yeah, if he was actually in the right place in the right time, we wouldn't be in the position where he needs to run all the way back. So yeah. I think it, it, you know, it goes back to being a frustrating player to watch. Yes, but improvements. Uh, I think that's in, it's important. Yes, there's criticisms to be made, but that was a better performance from Anthony Knocker, and we should just for that. Someone who had a good performance and came back out of the blue, out of nowhere, was uh, Mr. Harry Arter, who who came on and and won the game for Fulham. Dom, what a strike! Yeah, I mean the swaz on that. It's just <laughs> swaz. It just swaz straight into the top. You could tell as soon as he hit that was swazzing into the top corner. When he hit, as he went lined up to shoot, I was like, well, "Don't shoot from there." That's yeah. stupid. But as soon as you saw the ball left his foot and the trajectory on the ball, I was like, "That's going into the top corner." It's some hit, some yeah. hit, and it's been a goal, a weekend of good goals. In the well, no, it's clearly the beach ball effect, as Mourinho alluded to <laughs> in the Tottenham Hotspur game. That's that's why we scored two screamers. Well, I'm I'm okay with that. Maybe we should play with the beach ball all the time. It was nice to see him back though, Dara. You know, we haven't had many updates on his absence. He just disappeared, no, he, and then he uh, he released some kind of little video around about the first international break, saying that he had a niggle and in, and that he needed some sort of procedure, but just. Nothing. It just dragged on and on. Well, the club have been like it all season, haven't they? They've been terrible releasing any information on any injuries our players have. Yeah, it, it must have been quite like an ordeal because it, it, when he scored the goal, he did run over to the backroom staff. Yeah, to the physios. So, it, it was a very strange. The whole thing about Arta was very strange because it was I remember just trying to conceal some information. Well, I remember that statement weird. coming out and being like, "It's annoying that he's not going to be around for the international break. Probably do with him." But like, if he's back, then he after needs the to be right. Break yeah. for Fulham, then 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 yeah, good. Right. And and then he just didn't return, and then there was another international break, and he still wasn't about. And it was like, what's where, where going on gone? with Harry Arter? But I mean, that's one way to reintroduce yourself onto the stage. It was quality. Like even if you look in the build-up, he pings that ball out with his right foot, and then hit, hits it with the left. Like the pace on that shot was absolutely ridiculous. He he adds something to the midfield, doesn't he, Georgia? A little bit of bite, a little bit of nous. There's something there that we we've kind of missed, I think, without him. I think so, and I think it's it's pretty rare in midfield to get a player who not only has the bite and can put the defensive shift in and put like his pressure numbers are, are very strong as well. Like he's constantly harrying other players, but he's he's so good on the ball as well. His short distribution, his long distribution. I mean, if you look at one of the build-ups, I'm not sure if it's a a goal or a chance actually it might have been in the build up to his own goal lovely ping to the right hand side to get a ball over to Christie you know he's got he's got a real range of skills um, which I think adds a, adds a huge amount to the game but for me there's there's always that kind of element that you don't quite trust him you don't quite trust him not to go and fly in and do a two footer uh, like uh, his there was one of the men towards the end of the game as well uh, the last minute or two of injury time and it was right up in the corner one of the Villa defenders cleared it and you just see him 
flying in. Like, luckily, he didn't connect with the player at all. But he's got that crazy look. There was a couple of those. Knockout did one as well. Knockout got booked for a tackle. And, and then complained if you, about if you look back it. I was yellow. like, well, Knockout's gone. I thought it was a two foot. And it was the 17 year old that they had just brought on. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> like, please don't do that. Good to have Arta back. Absolutely. And I think, especially if, uh, if Reed's out for a bit, you know, Arta feels like the most natural replacement. But I think going back to what we were briefly discussing before, you know, it's. I, I do see why the club don't release injury information because, you know, if we don't have a clue what's going on, you know, the opposition definitely don't have a clue. But it does, you know, it it is really frustrating because as the fan base, you start to come up with the wrong ideas. Like you start to, I was thinking before, you know, is it falling out between Parker and Arta? But it's you not know, even that you, we need the details of the injury. We don't even know if he is injured. Yeah. No. I'm not saying, yeah, you're not being like, if you just every week were like Harry Arta... Pending tests. fitness, you know, pending fitness test, yeah. but it's got you know, some sort of thing. Then the club aren't, then people don't start to worry. No, or, or come out and say Art is now back from injury. Then, yeah, we, then we know what happens. We don't even know what injury is and how long he's out for. We just need to know if he's out for that, for that game, for yeah. the, what the press conference for. You know, what's happened to Stephen Sessional since, you know, September? He's supposedly been injured. Then he came back into school, was on the bench for a couple of games and then wasn't even in the squad for the FA Cup match. It's just, I, I think it's, there just needs to be some form of communication between the club and the fans, just so we know what's going. We don't need the old details of it, but we need to know right. Why is he not in the squad? Is it because you've had a falling out, or is it because he's injured? Well, it's the same kind of thing at the weekend, right? Obviously, Mitrovic and Kenny, you can understand them not being in the squad because you can understand them being rested. Why is Kamara not in the squad? Like this is surely a game that Abubakar Kamara could could get twenty minutes, if nothing else, and just do mm. some do some running about. For Kamara not to be in the squad suggests that now Kamara's got an injury because that's a weird omission, right? Like that's not a you. Could, he's not like a oh I've played every minute of every game and I need a rest. He's been in and out of the side himself. Where's Cabano? Like they're all very Cabano weird. just Cabana had an operation, an didn't he? Yeah, yeah of course. Was... But the club didn't tell us that. He no, did we've... on his Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It, you know, all of these things add up, and people get frustrated by them. And especially uh, this time of year, January, like, uh, you, like you, the rumor mill can start turning. Exactly. So uh, the lack of communication from everything to do with the club is is constantly frustrating, and it, it does. I think it leads people to speculate. And speculation is probably not a good thing from where we're from where we're mm-hmm. sitting because it starts to go oh maybe the squad don't get on and then people start to panic. Yeah, and I think like Stephen Sess is a, a great example of that when the rumours start coming out about links to Tottenham and then I think someone found was it a PL two game where Stephen Sessignon came off the bench and there was a line in the match review saying um, Sessignon's come back from injury. We're thinking, oh, like I had no idea he was injured. It's all kind of no information, then tiny little bits of information here or there. It just gets the rumour all going. And, you know, when you've got someone like Park who's under a bit of pressure, rightly or wrongly, you know, if, if us fans don't have the right information, that's where, you know, people can start to, you know, Parker can start to be under pressure for his job because we think he's fallen out with the players when actually they're injured so I don't think it, it necessarily helps anyone by holding the cards as close to the chest as we are at the moment Dom one young prospect that did get some minutes uh, was Jay Stansfield and he made a very very good first impression for a young man yeah I mean it was better than Stephen Humphreys did when he came on I mean <laughs> to, to be fair Stevie Humphreys is now like chipping away in League One or wherever he is I think we could probably forget about him but yeah no it's, how many times have we had though a young player or a young forward anyway attacking player come through and we see a bright spark in 20 minutes and never see him again I, yeah it was it was good to see but you know seeing Jay Stanford come through is probably the least of our 
concerns at the no, moment. Agreed. And you know, if I'm if I'm, I was quite surprised actually that Matt O'Reilly didn't play. I thought yeah, it was a per- it was a perfect game for him to be in the midfield. I understand Onam was coming back, and you know, I, I I've always said with the FA Cup that it needs to be treated different. Oh, we should rest players. Well, you're not playing for another week. I understand you've played about four games in the last. Yeah, it's not three like games. a midweek tie, is it? Yeah, like th- apart from the f- is it the fifth round this year? I think midweek because of the whole stupid winter break thing they're doing in the Premier League. But yeah, and no, I was surprised Matt Riley didn't play. But yeah, it, it always is good to see someone who's come, who's an academy graduate. Obviously, he hasn't come through our youth system. He came for Exeter's, but an academy graduate, you know, get on the pitch and get some minutes. And he looked fairly promising when he came on, but he's not a player. I'm not sort of expecting to see much more of for the rest of the season. No, I think that's it. But I think what is quite nice is that obviously we've seen, they brought in Martel Taylor-Crossdale. We've seen little bits and bobs of... Timmy Abraham there are a couple of players you know around who play the same position who are a little bit older than Stansfield is but Stansfield's had a good run and and they gave him you know the reward for that was he got he got a couple of minutes in in an FA Cup game and I can take that away from him and that's got to be good for his confidence it's nice to see a manager who's looking within the squad as well as you know across the whole club that's something we haven't had for a little while someone that's willing to take on and be like look I've been watching the academy games you've done really well come in and have a you know get your moment of glory and that's that's got to be a good thing for the club as a whole. Yes, it is. It's, it's a good thing, and we, we you know we, we always know how good our academy is. But you know the amount of good players who come through there, necessarily who don't necessarily make it, but we know the talents there. And I think you've seen at Stansfield his goal record this season has been re- absolutely ridiculous. I think, and yeah, it, again, it was good to see. But it's now it's you know it's nice to see that game, but it's time to move on now and you know build on our championship campaign. Okay, all right. Well, just before we close off this section, Dara, who do you want in the next round? Uh, take Portsmouth Portsmouth that was my answer George I would like to go to Spurs New Stadium so I'd like Spurs away Dom I don't want Spurs we'll just lose right <laughs> we'll probably lose anyway I, n- yeah. I know but like, no, away from home you sound like a Bristol Rovers or a Portsmouth mate. as you said Portsmouth not Northampton maybe everyone needs to stop saying country because I think they forget that they're playing they're at dead. St Andrews they're St Andrews um Tramere. Yeah, yeah, Tranmere. Thing is, I would have, I would take the Newcastle slash Rochdale apart from Kings Cross being closed that weekend. Yeah, that that's a real bummer. Like, it really does. Anything uh, on the east coast is now basically ruled out. Yeah, I think you have to time. go. To, you'd have to go up to Sheffield and then across. Or up, well, I'm not saying across. It's definitely just further up. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you'd have to go up to Sheffield then further up from there. So, as much as I would like the Newcastle Rochdale or like a Carlisle, not when Kings Cross is closed. Yeah, also Carlisle, you have you take the risk of having a Cardiff again and no one really wants that, I don't think. No, I don't want to go for about the eighth time in the last four years. Portsmouth would be nice. Cardiff are the last team we beat in the third round. Yeah. Oh, the only um, the only reason why I wouldn't want Portsmouth is because I've been to Fratton Park, but I'd still take it. It's a good good away though, and a, a very cool ground. The first this is our first win since in the FA Cup since the 29th of January 2017, which is almost three years, which is you know a good duck to break, I think. Right, we'll be back after the break, talking a little bit about Reading and answering your questions. Would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone? I thought you might. If so, sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel, and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking. FFC news and podcast alerts. It's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to fullermish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fullermish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. 
Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Jack Collins. I'm joined by Don Betts, hello, hello. George Singer, hello. and Dara Curran. Hi. We're just going to touch briefly on the Reading game. Dom, I know you did a podcast with Sammy, but there are a couple of bits that weren't necessarily touched on. Before we do that, though, here's a quick call for some merchandise. You can get merchandise on the Fulham-ish website. Uh, we have made some really nice T-shirts and some fun mugs, and they're basically real fun. It's a good way to help the podcast. If you enjoy this, it, it does help us to keep ourselves ticking over, and we're really proud of the Mitrovic T-shirt. We think it's really nice. So if you want to get your hands on them, there is a fair amount of restock. Just come in for the post-Christmas bash, and uh, yeah, get on there and get yourselves involved but Reading um, Dom I know you wanted to talk just before this about Matt O'Reilly and he came on for a weird amount of time he was re-substituted um, in a strange Parker decision but actually a very very good game from Matt O'Reilly all round I thought yeah and you know I've been calling to be part of the squad ever since for the last three or so years now obviously I think we, the first one we sort of caught brought along into the first team was that pre-season tour of Poznan in 2017 and you know he's been, he's, I, I've been calling for ever since because I think he's do you remember any of Poznan in 2017 uh, Tom? Uh, no. Um, no, no no probably not at all but you know his dad was a great bloke and talking to him in the bar on the second <laughs> game was great no I think that you know Matt I think out of all these sort of young midfielders we've had in our, I think he's something different I think he's maybe you could even argue he's possibly more suited to be playing championship football than PL2 football just because of the way his, his size and the way he plays and I think you know his passing range so I think yeah, I was really impressed with how he played and I want to see more of him in this team you know I know we've got a lot of midfield options but we seem to get an injury in our centre midfield department every other week at the moment but you know Harry Art has been out Onam has been out Kearney's out you know, Johansson doesn't play every week. McDonald can't play every week. So I think O'Reilly is going to get more minutes. And, and, and obviously, as you say, we read out. And I think, you know, his best position is probably the middle of the three. Obviously. That's what I was going to ask next. But, you know, where where does he play? Where does he fit in? Is he an eight? I'd argue in the system we're playing, yes, he's the eight. He started off as, when he, as, uh, as, a very, as a youngster, as a number 10, obviously. And then sort of over the next few years, he sort of was getting deployed as a more deep line midfield. Not quite a six, but if he wasn't going to be playing that deep, he'd be sort of more creative. So I think in the system we play, the number eight role would probably suit him best. But I think if he was to play in that system, he'd need a Reed or McDonald behind him as opposed to a Johansson or an Arta with Kearney ahead of him. Dara, what, what did you make of that performance? Because, you know, there was it, it was quite safe for quite a lot of it. It only was getting towards the middle of the second half where he started to play a little bit more expansively. But maybe you can expect that from young man making his first league start. I, I thought he was good. I thought there's a bit, there's like a classiness to his passing range. Like a, I don't know, he just sees things that other players don't. He just sees these passes. But I can see why he got taken off as well. It was a... I mean, actually, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Go it on. was a funny one, but he's brought on De La Torre and... Parker's just gone all the attacking players on the pitch and he had to take somebody off and that was just who it was fair enough I think there was a lot of weird backlash about that and people sort of kicking off about it not necessarily all I mean, it's fairly ne- it's never a nice thing to happen to be subbed on but he was off. on for quite a long time it wasn't like he came on in yeah, the 70th the injury minute happened. and then was removed yeah, yeah. in the 79th he was on for 60 minutes or of the game or whatever I suppose which does prevaricate it a little bit yeah if he was if he started if you're just going by minutes per minutes basis here, if he started and was brought off after an hour, there'd be no sort of quarter. Yeah, no one would kick it's off just, again. It's just this whole thing is when you're brought on as a substitute, it's like an unwritten rule that you can't be taken off. Yeah, like the Moisey Keane thing with Duncan yeah. Ferguson, which, which really would about. George, um, what did you make of it statistics-wise? I'll throw with you his actual stats. 
Well, no, it's it's an interesting one, and the well, the point I was going to make, maybe a, a side to um, a side to stats. If if there's guys like him, like Matt O'Reilly, Luca Delatore, or a few other guys who are starting to, also, start I swear, Luca Delatore has been a promising youngster for the last five years. Yeah, yeah I, we have been talking about him about to break through. I think if these guys are are on the cusp and kind of coming into the side and not looking out of place. I think there's an there's a there's an argument we should say that you know move them out on loan. And I think this is I was I was quite interested to see um obviously the podcast we did with um Tony Khan a little while back and he mentioned about loaning out to League 1 and the reasons for not doing that before were just the lack of being able to see the data and therefore it's very hard for us to track and see how the players are doing. And he said, now we've got the data, the options there are available. So, you know, I'm really wondering with these guys, it feels like they're... I just don't think a loan to League One would in any way aid their development. It's well, playing time. Know, we can obviously we see... Can, yeah, but you can say... Play, <clears throat> everyone, playing time everyone, makes such a... Everyone, everyone such makes a, this, but there's a lot of players, a lot of Chelsea players who've gone out on loan to League One sides and it's been a detriment to their career you know going to League playing time isn't necessarily just playing time to help them improve because it, it just simply won't be the football they're playing at and won't actually yeah, help their you development need someone who was, who, you'd need to send them to a side who he was one going to get minutes at and two are you know a, a possession based unit where he'd be looking at getting the ball and, and the honest truth of that is unless they're a side doing really well mm. it's going to be weird to loan someone and, and are they going to walk into a side doing really well in League One that's a massive gamble for that side as well right it, it is but for me you've, you've got to I'd argue that you know maybe taking a bit of a hit there are teams in, in League One who play good football I mean really if you think about it you know what's, what's going to do Matt O'Reilly's career more good a season of maybe you know not the, the perfect style of play but a season playing a lot of minutes in League One or yet another year I in think PL2. If, if, I think if he's getting like 20-minute cameos here and there, that's 100% better for his development than playing in League One. Well, look, Jerome Mopoku's out on loan. Uh, no one of your favourites, Dom, purely for sing-song purposes. Um, but he seems to be doing quite well. He's doing nicely. But, but has is he, it different? Has he increased in... The, would that Has that loan still going to increase him in the pecking order? No, it's not. No, but what I'm going to say is that is it different for a defender? Because actually, he, you're not necessarily needing to learn the same set of skills as a midfielder where you're actually in possession all the time. He's learning a defensive perspective from a different I think a midfielder, a midfielder or, an, or an attacking midfielder or wide player in this case, I don't think a loan to League One helps. I, I, unless you're going to the right side. I think with, with a defender, with a goalkeeper and potentially with a centre-forward if they're off the Corley Woodrow, Stephen Humphreys time hold, then it probably will because they'll be going to be playing physical stuff. Whereas I think for a player who's going to want to play in a possession-based team, I don't necessarily think a League One's the best thing for for the better I think you've seen, you know, let's say, I don't, I don't know, I can't think of players for example, but like I feel like just loaning to League One for the sake of loaning to League One to get him experience isn't just necessarily going to help their development in any way. So why not loan him to the Bundesliga? There's already been wild. Well, yeah, no, of that I'm not. I'm not against learning him out. I'm against learning him out to League One. I just Paderborn. Send him to Paderborn for a year and, and let him learn how to you know play at Paderborn because that's going to be a different experience to learning. But if he's playing in the Bundesliga, people will start to question why he's not starting mm-hmm. in the Championship. No. Yeah, I, I think there's you know, and I, I think we should we should ask these questions. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting. Parker did come out and say that. He suggested he was going to dip into the academy a bit more. So I think, like we said, Dom, I think I think I agree. The if we could, if he could get these twenty-minute cameos every so often, 
uh, in the league. I think that's great, and that's probably the ideal situation. So he'll learn our style of football. But I think you know we've we've seen this before with guys like this. They have little spurts of a few minutes on, and then we don't see them again for a few months. Like think of someone like Sessingham, uh, right? So I don't know. I'd 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 just like to think that if if the right thing was for him to to move out on loan, I'd like the club to go and see and push and, and make that happen. But we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe this game is you know the the start of him playing more of a more of a role in the squad going forward. Okay, let, let's go on some questions. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Dara. This is from Brett Pund, and he says, is three centre-backs and two wing-backs how Parker wants to play with Hector coming in, or do you think this was solely down to who he had available for the Villa game? Uh, I think it was just an experiment, maybe. Um, because, I mean, wasn't that what Ranieri did last year? And that wasn't working for us at all. So I, d- I doubt Parker would go back into that formation I think he's probably looking for an alternative so that he does have a plan B. Um, just, instead of just putting Cavalera and Knockout as wingbacks and hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, mean, I can see that. I, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It didn't like not work. But I don't know if you could, again, what Don was saying, like, I don't know if you could be playing against the teams below us. Playing that formation, we should be going out and attacking because that's, yeah. we've got on paper the best front three in the division. I, I think it's interesting because you look at that formation or a variant of it is what Wolves played when they went up and no one looks at that Wolves side and went, oh, they were really defensive against teams below them. They were still an attacking unit and you can be I an mean, attacking you unit with five the at two, the back. the two sides. No, but I'm, I'm not suggesting they're the same talent levels. What I'm saying is that you can play a five at the back in an attacking man or a three at the back if you want to call it that. Yeah, I just don't think we need players to do so. I don't think there's, we don't have the intensity to the way we play. I think it, that can work and you can play it in an attacking way, but you need it, you need the intensity of going from one side of the pitch to the other and we don't have that. We're just too passive with the ball. Unless, unless the totally, Scott Parker totally changes that, that's, it, it just simply isn't going to work if we want to be an attacking side. George? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got nothing against the system. I think it's worked well with previous teams. Mentioned Wolves, mentioned Chelsea as well under, under Conte. I think where it worked with Chelsea is you had someone like David Luiz in the centre who was uh, you know, more of a libero guy who could bring the full for- ball forward and move into midfield and convert it into a midfield three. And I think that's where it worked quite well for them. And I'm not sure if you had Reem, uh, Reem Mawson and Hector, that there's necessarily, they've got the right profile. They're more more of your classic, you know, number five centre-back than uh, Reem aside, potentially. Well, I was going to say, I would actually argue that if we are going to play three at the back, one of them would always be Dennis Adoy. Because if you're going to play three at the back, Dennis Adoy does give you that. He gives you the ability to carry the ball into midfield and break the lines, which the others don't do. Potentially, but I mean, he's never he's done it at full back and in the edges, but not quite in the centre of the pitch. I don't know. I think I think you're right. If we were to play it, you'd need him because we'll be up against direct sides with quick uh, quick strikers. So you you would need a bit of pace in the back three, which I don't think Hector, Mawson, and Reem would give you. So you do need a doy, but I just don't think it really suits the profile of defenders we got. Um, this isn't necessarily a question, but I think it's a really interesting point. It's from J.E. Harknessill. He says, halfway through the season, and to use a punting term, we still haven't got a form line. Players in, players out, players hot, players cold, knockout, for example. Does Arta stay in the team? I haven't got a clue from one week to the next. Not unusual, but in this context, different. Up the Fulham. 
and I think this is important, Dara, and, and you and I were discussing this before we started, um, that this Fulham team, I don't know what the lineup is going to be against Hull. I don't think anyone in this room does because, and normally at this point, you have an idea, we're halfway through the season, you normally have an idea of what the eleven would be if everyone was fully fit, let's say. And yeah. injuries obviously affect that, but even if everyone was fit, I don't know who would start for Fulham. And that's concerning in in some ways. Yeah, I'd struggle to guess Parker starting 11 week by week. There just seems to be a lot of positions that are up for grabs or maybe he doesn't know his best 11. Whereas if you look in contrast to Jukanovic, the year that we went up, it was literally just the right wing, probably. It was just Piazon, Kamara, Cabano Aite were just rotating around in that one position. Everything else was pretty much locked in and we've just been switching around far too much. I think it leaves us in a in a funny place, Dom. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world to have competition for places, but the amount of chopping and changing is seemingly taking a toll. Yeah, it's weird. We sort of had like stages of consistent teams, if that makes sense. Like when we had, when we had a decent winning streak in, what was it, October time, we had a set team then. And then we we then we obviously turned a bit of form around briefly around Christmas, and and then then we sort of thought, oh, this team's now going to work. So I feel like we've had settled teams, but only for two or three games. Then it's like, oh, this didn't work, so we're going to change it up again. So you, you know, we know which players we want. We sort it's a weird thing. We know which players we need to have on the pitch. We just don't know where where we're playing them. Yeah, like we need we know you want Kenny, you know you want Bobby Reed, you know you want Mitrovic, you know you want Cav, but. Where where do you play him? Is a question. You know, I, I also think that the injuries early in midfield has not helped in the slightest. No. That it seems it, it's had to be into pretty much a different midfield three every single week. At the moment, if you're picking a midfield for me, you go Reed on a McKenney. If I'm picking a, a midfield three at the moment with Cav and Bobby Reed off working off uh, Mitrovic, but you know, have we even seen that? That's that's the thing. You're going off teams who've played well in different stages. Oh, that bit was good. He was good there. Instead, we haven't actually seen how we had a fully fit squad yet. No, I mean, no team's really going to have a fully fit squad, but that's where that's where it's come through. That I think because the midfield's been chopping and chain so much and the players working on Mitrovic are chopping and chain so much and, you know, we've, we've sort of are we, are we going to go for a 4-2-3-1 or are we going to go for a 4-3-3 you know when we've tried this three at the back are we going to pursue that again or was that just a trial against Aston Villa I feel like because we're we've gone to it late in games to see them out and yeah. while it's not particularly pretty I, it seems to I work I think mm. what works for Fulham is actually I, I not it. I do as well I also not, hate it but it works so is not having it, it? I, I think one thing that might be worth is not having a set formation is a, a formation in offensive plays and a for different formation of defensive plays I think that is just the way it might actually work for us because that is what we've seen when we've been most successful is we haven't just been 4-3-3 for the entire game well I think that's almost what was at the weekend and and while we've talked a lot about this three at the back kind of thing actually the, the fact that we changed formations went in and out of possession isn't necessarily a bad thing I think I think having that ability to transition into two separate kind of phases is you know, a, a sensible tactic if our formations aren't going to stay solid the whole whole season, George. Yeah, I think Scott's definitely an intelligent coach, and I think there's clear parallels. Uh, uh, probably far too grand a thing to say, but if you look at the, some of the styles that Pep Guardiola, you know, enforces with his team, there are some definite parallels, and you see ways that Scott is trying to mould his side in a similar way. Clearly, he's he's aware of different tactical styles and their benefits. But to me, it just feels like we haven't yet worked out how to 
bring the players, the right players in a system that works. And I think, Dom, the guys you were saying who would, you know, should get in the team, I think you're absolutely right. But if you put all of those guys in a side with someone like Bobby Reed and Cav, you know, you may be without a touchline hugging winger. So what do you do with your fullbacks then? Well, he's wanted to play more reserved fullbacks. So if we played a style like that, we'd probably be too narrow and it wouldn't work. So it doesn't feel at this point that there's really a the right balance of a system that we want to play and works and the players who fit into that system. It's all kind of, there's a lot of square peg and round holes and it doesn't quite work yet. Well, I thought it was interesting at the weekend that we tried to get the ball wide a lot and the fact that we transitioned into that five at times did allow us to get more width on. But that said, it seemed really strange that the time we tried to get wide and get balls into the box, it's the first time we haven't played without a proper number nine this mm-hmm. season. And and that kind of thing is confusing, I think, because I can see what Scott's trying to do. And actually on, on Saturday and something that I said straight after the game was I could see what he was trying to do for the first time in, in quite a long time. I could see what Scott's kind of tactical plan was. I don't think it was necessarily perfect, but it was nice to be able to see some sort of cohesion to what he was, you know, attempting. But it doesn't make sense to go into that wide manoeuvre if you haven't got an out-and-out out nine. And actually, we put the ball into the box a couple of times a couple in the of first half, where there was nobody in and there. And there was no one in there because we weren't playing with a striker. And, and, and that doesn't really add up. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the wing-backs overlapping a little bit more and getting beyond our, our wingers on the front up in the front three but then that's going to leave us susceptible elsewhere so I mean, the, we're going to with the back the, anyway so you might yeah, well, that, that, that's true but maybe, maybe that five at the back allows us then to to do that to have a little bit more width be interesting to see it with Bobby and Mitrovic up top was something I said at the time I don't know where that leaves you though where does that leave Cav because Cav's been excellent yeah we spoke about it the system we played at Stoke mm-hmm. could have worked if we played the right players in that system yeah, like if you played actual wingbacks or fullbacks in the wingback positions instead of Cavan Knockout with Kearney in behind Bobby Reed and Mitrovic with you know you could then you can then have Cav to bring on as a forward player to have just working just off them. It feels really tough because I think Cav's been our most consistent player in the last two months. Yeah, no, exactly. Really. But I'm saying that we've seen we've seen a system that could, could work. You play Cav as a right wing back, maybe potentially. But I also think he could work. In the Bobby Reed row off Mitrovic. I don't think I don't think Knockart and Cavalero works as wing backs, and, and this is something. One hundred percent, yeah, no, no I don't. it doesn't. But I don't necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily rule out Cavalero from playing as a wing back because I think he probably provides the up and down cover that you need there. I don't think Knockart has the discipline for it, but I think Cavalero might, and that's kind of a question, I guess, to be answered. I think so, and you know what? What's a little bit frustrating is that we've got all these questions about style and the way we want to play, and it feels like the the clubs that the clubs that do really well. Take a look at Liverpool at the moment, who have a really clear identity. It goes all the way through their club, from their players to their head coach to the scouting and numbers and recruitment. They know how they want to play, and everyone's pulling in the right direction. They've got a really clear identity. And therefore, you could take any of the parts out. You could take away Salah. You could take away Mane. You could, you know, I'd argue... even Change if six of the team and the kids do exactly the same thing. Exactly. And I'd, I'd even argue if you if Jurgen Klopp did move on, they, could, they would probably know the right manager to bring in to do the same job. And I think that's what we've, we've really been lacking, that kind of clear identity. You know, what, what are Fulham? What are the way we want to play? And 
two years ago, we knew the answer to that. It was the Slavisa way of playing and everyone was pulling in the same direction. And now it doesn't feel like we've got that clear identity of what we want to do. You know, while we, we've seen the team that passed Millwall to death, we've seen, you know, sometimes we've had less than half possession. You know, what, what are this side actually trying to do? It feels, you know, a bit like we're just chucking money at the problem and, you know, trying to find a system that works. It's not, not the right way and not the best way of doing it, in my opinion. So two more questions. One of them is very easy. Um, Carlino at Greenheart Radio says, can we recall Anguissa? Should we? Um, I can easily answer that one. The answer is we can't. So he's stuck out there, I'm afraid, Um, which kind of puts to bed the rest of the question. (laughs) Um, But Daniel at Read All Over, which I quite like as a name, um, has asked a couple of questions. This one I want to ask Dom because I know this is something close to your own heart. Do we want to get promoted, Dom? Manager and not good enough for the Premier League. This is the question. No defender's good enough. I argue if we get promoted, the only players he'd want to start every week are Reed, Reed, and Mitrovic. Seems to ask, we'd need at least 10 to 15 signings, and I can only see it going worse than last time. I mean, some of that seems extreme, but I think the kind of points are in the right place. I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but... If you were to get promoted, is it really beyond the realms of possibility that you sack Scott Parker? Well, Watford did it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking that if you get promoted, Scott Parker's not going to keep us up next season. And I, I think most Fulham fans would agree with that. Yeah, Because, you know, getting promoted through the playoffs would be seen as a success, but not what the aim was at the start of the season. And so... You know, is it beyond the realm to get rid of him and bring someone more competent for the Premier League in? But then, then you get to the stage of when you get promoted, you're in the Premier League. What are you in the Premier League for? What are you in the Premier League for? Well, you want to stay up. Yeah, you, you want to stay up for for what though? Well, I mean, what the idea is, I guess, is you become a, a Southampton. You you get a well, couple of good cup I, runs, I, I, you get I, an yeah, academy, but, but, you you make yourself. You a you have you have this. I, I feel so. like the biggest problem is, I, it's not sort of just looking down. It's just like I, you kind of have to admit that we've probably seen the best team we're going to see by getting to a European final. Is that going to be topped? Most likely not. I, I'm I just I just I think what everyone what everyone wants, and I think most people agree with this, is you want the euphoria of celebrating promotion and getting out of the league, but you don't want the outcome of it. Yeah, you don't no, want I've to be this. in the Premier League. You don't want to. Ha- you don't want to have the AR. You know. You know. Think about it. Think about. Think about last season, right? What was enjoyable about it? Bournemouth away. Yeah. You know, it's it, Brighton what, at home. Not yeah, many though. Yeah, not not much enjoyable, especially now with VAR in there. It it totally gets totally just ruins football in general. There's there's no way that system can ever work for a match going fan because it's just yeah. ludicrous. But the implementation of it's been awful. I yeah, but I just I just awful. think the system's. Broken well, it anyway. The World it, Cup. It, I don't think it did. No, well, I think it did. I think, I think there was stupid hand balls getting given every single game in that World Cup. Well, the laws of the game need to catch up with the digital age. Is the truth of it? Yeah, the, the problem is, you know, the laws are antiquated with a new technology. Yeah, but I, ju- I, I just. It's different to other sports. All right, well, I think that's all we've got time for on today's Fulhamish. George, do you want to give this one a name? I think we've got to go for uh, It's a Knock-Up. It's a knock-up. It very much was, and it very much was a good win. We go to Hull on Saturday. Dom and Sammy will be back on Thursday with a preview of that game and some bits and bobs from the radio show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Don Betts. All right. Thank you, Dara Curran. Thank you. Thank you, George Singer. Thanks, Jack. I've been Jack Collins. This has been the Fulhamish Podcast. Take care. You whites.
ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of Pantsuit Politics, where we've built a community around grace-filled political conversations. And we wanted to share the words of our listeners because they understand best what we do. Susan told us, Many times I've used your words when my own have failed, opening doors that allow for discussion rather than debate. Amber says we encourage her to be more involved, to be a better citizen, and to be part of her community. Nicole said, Listening to you two process with one another is the only way for me to become unstuck. With the impending election on the horizon, join us and our amazing community of listeners at Pantsuit Politics as we prepare to vote, process the election, and prioritize our values and each other. Make sure you participate in our democracy by listening to Pantsuit Politics and, of course, exercising your right to vote. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.